Part D, Little St. Anne, the Brotherhood of Elder Joseph. To the Caves of Little St. Anne, from 1938 to 1953. After 15 years of harsh struggles at St. Basil, the two ascetics decided to move to less inhospitable terrain. Elder Arsenios related about this. Our elder had a little brother called Nikos who joined us sometime between 1925 and 1930. He became a monk and was given the name Athanasios in his tonsure. From the time that Father Thanasi stayed with us, he undertook the external duties and from then on I became involved in handiwork. Our hut at St. Basil was small and when our elder heard that at Little St. Anne there was an isolated area with caves, he went searching and found the place suitable for Hezekiah. So, in a few days we moved, leaving our old hut to Father John the Vlock. We started building with some material that was readily at hand. We fixed the small caves to live in and built a little chapel that was imbued with a prayerful atmosphere. Our priest, Father Ephraim Katanakiotis, contributed to this work as far as his elder allowed him. As for the icons, the neighboring brotherhood of Ananias with which we had a tight brotherly relationship offered to paint them. At that time, there were two other people near there who stood out, Elder Eurasimos, the well-known and great hymn writer, and his most pious spiritual brother, the learned Elder Amvilek. So, among other things, we also had a good neighborhood. Father Ephraim Katanakiotis with Elder Arsenios's reference to the priest of their brotherhood, Father Ephraim, I feel obliged to say a few words about him. Father Ephraim's whole spiritual journey is inseparably linked with these two great ascetics and their brotherhood, and is generally believed he is a great contemporary figure of the Holy Mountain. From the beginning of my renunciation, I had realized the tight-knit and mutual bond which Father Ephraim Katanakiotis maintained with all the spiritual children of Elder Yosif. However, he particularly held a special respect for Father Arsenios. Even when we moved from Nuski to Burazeri, the ever-memorable Elder Ephraim often left his stillness to visit his spiritual brothers, as he called us, and especially to get the blessing of Elder Arsenios. The following is an example of the respect this elder held toward Elder Arsenios. When we asked Father Ephraim to read us a prayer, he always said, Remember, Lord, your servant, through the prayers of the Holy Fathers Yosef and Arsenios. But also in his own prayers, he firstly said, Through the prayers of the Holy Fathers Yosef and Arsenios. Once, Father Ephraim stayed the night at Burazeri, and the following day, he went to his other spiritual brothers, as he called them, that is, to the mon holy monastery of Philotheu. He stayed there two or three days supporting the elder and the newly settled brotherhood from Provada. On his return, he again stayed with us another couple of days at Burazeri. During the meal, our elder took the opportunity of proposing that Father Ephraim give us a few words of advice so that we also taste from his paternal words, I relate from memory, a small section. Fathers, monastic life is very easy, but it is also very difficult. For a true disciple, monastic life is heaven. A monk has to learn only two things. The one is, bless me, and the other is, 
let it be blessed. It is so simple and easy, but unfortunately only a few monks put these into practice. Have you learned these two lessons well? Then you have learned monastic life. Our elders, Joseph and Arsenios, struggled so hard. We find such struggles only in the lives of the great saints. Yet this great ascetic, Yeranda Yosef, always praised obedience above ascetic struggles. Do you want to acquire spiritual gifts? Obedience. Do you want to acquire prayer? Do you want tears? Obedience. Do you want the gift of miracles, insight, and foresight? All are acquired with obedience and only obedience. I think that the above is enough as a memorial to this holy elder. I cite the following as a seal to his inspiring speech. I passed by you first and sat for a while, but I couldn't see Elder Yosif. I then went to Philotheu and saw the Yeranda there. I was briefly speculating about why the elder wasn't with both his children. Then I was enlightened. Oh, I said, here they have Elder Arsenios. Well, it's only right then that the monks from Philotheu have Elder Yosif. The Acquaintance of Father Ephraim with Yerenda Yosif We once asked Elder Arsenio, Yerenda, Father Ephraim comes from another brotherhood, but our bond is so tight and mutual that we consider him an integral member of our brotherhood. When Father Ephraim first came to the Holy Mountain in 1933, he stayed with Father Nikiforos at Katanakia, seeing the youth with so much zeal and piety, Father Nikiforos made Father Ephraim a monk within a year, and despite his age, made him a priest after another year or two, Elder Arsenios continued. Father Nikiforos was very strict with his monks. They had to do handiwork all day and strict fasts. However, when it came to prayer and conduct, he was in the dark. A monk without prayer does not differ from a layperson. But... What did the all-loving God provide, seeing this well-intentioned and thirsty young man? Shortly before Ephraim was ordained a priest, Elder Yosef invited Father Ephraim's elder to our hut to serve the liturgy for us. According to divine economy, Father Nikiforos had his young disciple with him. As soon as Elder Joseph saw the young man, he only glanced at him once and said to himself, Oh, this is a thirsty deer, and he is not being given water to drink. This young monk needs help, but how do you enter a foreign sheepfold? He left the situation in God's hands, and God acted in the following way. That same year, Father Nikiforos sent the young monk to be ordained a priest. Elder Yosef did not lose the opportunity. He pleaded with Father Nikiforos to send the young new priest regularly for liturgies. The miracle happened. He came the first night to St. Basil with a torch in his belt for the liturgy. Since the game was at the cage, the elder invited the young celebrant to his cell after the divine liturgy. How are you going, my child? Very well, Yerunder. But I don't see that you are well, my child. Don't be embarrassed. Tell me what's happening. Gradually, the young priest plucked up courage and said, is this monastic life, Yerunda, working from morning until night, and not only that, but also being abused, not even hearing a kind word? Where is virtue? Where is love? Where is prayer? Be careful, my child. He is your elder. God has revealed him to you. You can't leave him, and you can't criticize him. 
but is that the conduct of an elder? Listen, my child, you know that you promised to deny the world, and you are now seeking honor and praises? Well, then you have misjudged. If you want to be a servant of Christ, then you also ought to accept all that he suffered for our sakes, that is, scorn, abuse, humiliations, even spitting and hitting. If you endure all of that, then you carry a small cross, follow Christ. With comforts, false honors, and niceties, there is no salvation or progress. All of these words and others were lapped up by this thirsty soul like a sponge, and in turn he replied, Thank you, Elder, for all that I heard today. I accept it all. I only have one query. As monks, shouldn't we learn to pray? Hearing that, the elder embraced him and said, Very right, my child. Well, from now on, be obedient to your yerunda, but as for prayer, that is my job. As of today, you will continuously say, Kyrie Yisru Christe Eleison, and at night time, you will follow the tipikon, which I will give you. From that day, the soul of the young man was resurrected. He said the prayer without ceasing. He kept vigil every night, and in a few months, with the elder's guidance, he became like one set on fire. From then on, Father Ephraim was inseparable from us. Elder Joseph even helped Father Ephraim with his health because he was in danger of contracting tuberculosis. He ordered from outside for his priest cheese, butter, eggs, canned milk, and the like. The young monk initially objected, but he ate everything for the sake of obedience until his health was restored. He was grateful to the elder who made the necessary concessions for others. Although we, Fathers Yosef and Arsenios, lived so strictly, the only thing Elder Joseph never compromised on was obedience. As a seal on all that I have mentioned about Father Ephraim, it is worth pointing out that Elder Arsenios regarded the virtues of Father Ephraim highly. He said, Oh, we struggled so hard, and he surpassed us only with obedience. However, his obedience was that of a martyr's. Father Ephraim's elder was very tough, but Father Ephraim endured until the end. This is where the worth lies. May we have his blessing. At the huts again. But let us return again to the huts of little St. Anne. It did not take long before the remote area of Little St. Anne was converted to a new spiritual arena. After Father Athanasios, that is Elder Joseph's brother, joined our brotherhood, a new monk came called Yosef. He soon became known for his writing gift. In recent years, he was responsible for bringing a number of monks to the former idiorhythmic holy and great monastery of Atopedi and make it, making it a spiritual plantation. The next brother who joined elders Yosef and Arsenios was Father Ephrem. He subsequently converted the holy monastery of Philotheu, which until then had also been idiorhythmic, to a Cenobitic monastery. From the monastery of Philotheu, Father Ephrem later filled another three monasteries of the holy mountain with monks. As is known, Father Ephrem put in order four monasteries of the holy mountain according to the rule that he received from the great elder. He then continued in North America, where he was led by divine providence. Until now, he has founded 16, both male and female, monasteries, and has transferred the genuine monastic spirit of the holy mountain with which he lived with his holy elder. 
the nephew, Elder Arsenios. As we mentioned earlier, Father Arsenios, Elder Joseph's brother, had joined the Brotherhood. However, it seems that a special treat was also in store for Elder Arsenios. In accordance with a Pontian tradition mentioned earlier, Elder Arsenios is christened a child before his renunciation so that Christ would not put a stone in his embrace in the other life. Therefore, he christened his young nephew, Harlambos. Harlambos remained in the world until he was 40 years old as the guardian of his family. Yet his life was so ascetic that even the strictest contemporary ascetic would be jealous. However, to understand how fervently he began monasticism, I relate a little of what he told me personally. My godfather, happy to see me, presented me to Elder Joseph as a prospective monk. Elder Joseph wanted to test my zeal and said, We live a very hard life here. I don't imagine that you would be able to do the same. I will try, Elder. Your uncle does 3,000 prostrations every night. Can you? I will try, Elder. Then he called Elder Arsenios and told him, Father Arsenios, I want you and your nephew to do 3,000 prostrations right now. Nainavligimeno may be blessed. Elder Arsenios took advantage of me, Father Harlambos, because his ground was on a slight slope, but mine was flat. Up and down we went, and Elder Arsenios finished first. I still had 50 prostrations to do. The elder called me again when I finished. How do you see things, Harlambos? Will you last? I don't have any difficulty for the moment, Elder. I don't know about later. Now, at what will one be amazed? I will not comment about Father Harlambos because he's still alive. Footnote, by that time, the first Greek edition of this book was sent for printing. Printing, Elder Harlambos had passed away in the Lord. May we have his blessing to continue. However, if one calculates that Elder Arsenios baptized Harlambos 40 years earlier, then this means Elder Arsenios was around 65 years old, yet he was able to easily do 3,000 prostrations. Well, Harlambos, within a short time, having passed those first tests, was tonsured a monk and kept the same name. The following year, he was elevated to a priest for the liturgical needs of the Brotherhood. The rocky cliffs and remote caves were suitable and the prerogative for the great forerunner to reside. So, once again, the Brotherhood acquired a chapel with a prayerful atmosphere dedicated to the forerunner, where Father Harlambo served the liturgy every day from the time he was ordained. The order of the vigil was the following. The fathers did handiwork or other manual work from morning until lunchtime. After lunch, each brother went to his cell and did the service of vespers with their prayer rope for one to two hours, and if there was spare time, they continued with reading. Then the common meal was served. When Elder Joseph acquired new monks, he stopped having no oil, but kept the normal rule of the set days for fasting. The great elder made this decision because he realized that the new generation did not have the strength for continuous fasting. Elder Joseph emphasized obedience and constant vigils, from which, according to Elder Arsenios, the eyes of our souls open. Fasting was done with discernment and in proportion. After the common meal, the brothers rested for three or four hours. At about sunset, they got up and went to the great elder to get his blessing. 
They also had a blessing to drink a cup of coffee as a fortification for the vigil. Those who were physically weaker were also allowed to have a small treat if they wanted to for strength. From the twelfth hour by Byzantine time, a footnote on the Holy Mountain, the Holy Monasteries, they still keep Byzantine time, which is regarded as twelve when the sun sets. From the twelfth hour by Byzantine time until the sixth hour, the fathers kept vigil on their own. From 6 until 8.30, there was the consecrated divine liturgy. After the liturgy, the brothers slept for a further two hours. They then woke with eagerness to do the diaconima. They were completely absorbed in the work of obedience with utter silence, except for when there was a need. At the same time, their lips were unceasingly saying the prayer, Kyrie Jesu Christe eleison me, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, or otherwise, Holy Thotoko, save me. Panagia Thotoko, sosanimas. Accounting of the day. Self-examination. From his own experience, Elder Arsenios would tell us, when you are eager in your obedience during the day and at the same time your lips continuously whisper the prayer, then you feel rested and joy inside you, so much so that you don't even consider the toil of the day. With all this warming up during the day, the vigil is so easy at night that it does not tire you, but rather you feel it is a feast. However, if during the day we have been disobedient or involved in idle chatter, back-talking, or if we have had thoughts of pride, jealousy, condemnation, and so on, unceasing prayer stops. And also the vigil at night passes with toil and pain, but sometimes this can happen without us having given the right for it to happen. With strict self-examination, we find our fault. By confessing it with repentance and humility, we immediately recover our order. If we haven't given the right for it to happen, then we are forced to understand that even this laborious vigil is not ours. It is a gift from God, and therefore, whenever He wants, He can deprive us of it. With this lesson, we are forced to never rely on our own abilities. Part E, the repose of the great elder, Elder Arsenios as elder of our brotherhood. Elder Theophylactos, moved to Nuskeet, 1953 to 1967. At Nuskeet, there is a hut dedicated to the 20 saints Anagri. One of the great figures of our church lived in this hut for many years, the hero monk Joachim Spetseris known as an author, and particularly for his book, The Hermitus Fotini. A very pious monk called Theophylactos lived with this great elder. Monk Theophylactos was filled with spiritual thirst. After the blessed repose of his elder, Monk Theophylactos went immediately to meet and benefit from the holy elders Joseph and Arsenios. He had heard about their reputation and their pious brotherhood. The result was that he became entangled like a fish, by the sweet words of Papu Yosif. Seeing the genuine desire and piety of Father Theophylactos, Elder Yosif accepted him as a member of the Brotherhood and tonsured him a great schema monk. From then on, Father Theophylactos continued the same order of vigil in his cell in Nuski. Since mentioning this holy little elder, we do not deviate from the subject by 
dedicating a few lines in his memory. From the beginning of my renunciation, I was very close with Father Theophylactos because he was considered to be a member of our brotherhood. We often went at midnight with my elder as the celebrant to the chapel with a prayerful atmosphere that was dedicated to the 20 saints Anagri for the consecrated divine liturgy. As you entered, there was a room to the right. Father Theophylactos kept vigil there, and when he got tired, he rested a little on a wooden seat. This elder had many virtues, principally those of poverty and frugality. He never kept money. If there was a financial need, he asked his patrons, and they sent him what he needed. He kept the oil lamps of the church of St. Zanagri always lit, and whether it was winter or summer, he also lit the oil lamps of the, of the skeets, small shelters that are built along the length of the road, which have the icon and the oil lamp. Even when there was half a meter of snow, he went and lit the oil lamps. Father Theophylactos ate cooked food when we gave it to him, but he never cooked for himself at home. God gave this little elder the gift of seeing, with the noetic eyes of his heart, extraordinary things. I will mention two examples. He once saw Satan wandering, wandering about in a brotherhood and setting a trap. He told the elder of the cell, Be careful, Satan is planning something in your brotherhood. Only a few days later, a monk got up and left. Another time, Father Theophylactos said to a spiritual father, Be careful. Satan yesterday was wandering in your room. Indeed, the previous day, a monk lied in confession and tricked the elder into giving him a sematria, a written consent that a spiritual father gives to a spiritual child who desires to be ordained. It is indispensable in the ordination of a deacon. He tricked the elder into giving him this to be ordained a priest. The spiritual father, upon re-examining the case, realized the deceit and withdrew the document. After the blessed repose of Elder Joseph, I don't know how he felt the need, but every year in summer he went to the Peloponnese. He quietly helped the monasteries around Corinth, as well as many people. Only his humble presence was a living sermon. When we left Nuskeet, Elder Arsenios pleaded with him to follow us. Although Father Theophylactos was already very old, he preferred to remain in his hut, in which he stayed until he lost his sight. His neighbors, the pious brotherhood of the Avramanian, then cared for him until the end of his life in 1986. May we have his blessing. From when Elder Theophylactos joined our brotherhood around 1953, he traveled back and forth from Nuskeet to Little St. Anne. For practical reasons, he thought of suggesting to Elder Joseph the transfer of the whole brotherhood to the quite spacious huts of Saints Anagri at Nuskeet. The Holy Elder Joseph, who always had as a principle, never reject nor accept, consented to move to Nuskeet for a few days as a trial. The fathers of the Skeet and of the governing Holy Monastery of St. Paul felt great joy and gladness when they were informed of the move. However, the great elders did not feel at all comfortable because the seven people of the brotherhood were cramped into one small hut, and the neighboring houses of the skeet were almost adjoining ours. Elder Joseph then said to Elder Arsenios, 
If you cough here, the whole neighborhood will hear you. If you are praying aloud or weeping, it will cause a scene. Yes, you are right. I feel the same as well. Well then, inform the monastery we're leaving today. Note that the Holy Monastery of St. Paul is one of the better Cenobitic monasteries of the Holy Mountain, which was then adorned with the presence of Abbot Seraphim, the Hiram monk Andreas, the next abbot, the learned and pious monk Theodosius, and many others. When the fathers heard of Elder Joseph's decision, the abbot called a meeting. It was decided to give the brotherhood of Elder Joseph all of the tranquil area, from the Skeets Tower down towards the sea, along with four huts. The urgent decision was accompanied by a fervent plea for the elder to accept the offer. The two great elders went to examine the area <clears throat> and were both informed with similar feelings that that was what they were looking for. The next day, the brotherhood was replanted into the new ascetic huts. Father Athanasios lived in the hut of the Dormition of the Theotokos in a very quiet area. Father Athanasios, since we have referred to the brotherhood according to the flesh of Elder Joseph, Athanasios, I think it is useful to also dedicate a few lines to him. Father Athanasios stayed in the above-mentioned hut almost until the end of his life. He told me that Elder Joseph, his brother, according to the flesh and spiritual father, appeared to him when there was a sudden turn in his health. Elder Joseph exhorted Father Athanasios from then on to stay in the holy monastery of Philotheu. This little elder was also adorned with many virtues. From when Father Thanasi renounced the world, he placed a strict condition on himself to never leave the holy mountain, but also to never accept professional medical care. He kept these conditions with precision until his end. From the time he stayed at the skeet of St. Basil, he took on the outside jobs and thus lightened the load of Elder Arsenios, who then confined himself mainly to handiwork. Father Athanasi often carried loads on his back for hours. He would go to the monasteries to sell the handiwork and exchange it with various provisions for the cell. Even later, having settled in New Skeet, Father Athanasios unselfishly took on the duties of a donkey, as he said jovially, meaning the diaconima of a postman. Every day until lunchtime, he went up and down, generally helping all the fathers. He was always smiling sweet-talking and instructive. His meals were frugal and he loved the services. At Nuskeet, he was always first in church and he carried out the duty of the tipicaria. Although he never formally learned music, he chanted so melodically and clearly that he impressed even the main chanters, especially when he praised Our Lady the Theotokos with the archangel's hymn, Action Esti. As everyone who met him remembers, prayer and glorification were never absent from his lips. When anyone greeted Father Athanasi, even a stranger, Father Athanasios responded by making a reverence and attempted to kiss their hand, even if they were a layman. Father Athanasios lived the last two to three years of his life at the Holy Monastery of Philotheu and was a shining example for the younger brothers. As long as he had strength, he always went first to the services. From the time his health started declining, he was confined to his cell. At the same time, his feet became swollen to such an extent that some veins burst and created such a big wound 
that the naked bones of his legs could be seen. But what was even more frightening, and to which I was an eyewitness, was that there were many worms in his wounds. Monk Savas, the pious and experienced doctor of Philotheu Monastery, tried in vain to plead with the little elder to dress his wounds so they could heal. The elder, certain that the time of his salvation was approaching, did not want to contravene the condition he placed on himself from the beginning of his renunciation. That is why he replied without complaining, My children, it is best you pray for the Lord to soon take my soul. In a few days he departed to the Lord with a death like that of a martyr's. He was added to the departed fathers of his brotherhood in the year 1984 during the Pentecostarian period. The Holy Repose of the Great Elder Now let us return to the huts at the tower. It did not take long for the fathers to build two small holy chapels and the two large huts. One was dedicated to the denunciation of the Theotokos. The other was dedicated to the birth of the one who, among those born, no one has arisen greater. Matthew 11.11 Then the holy forerunner and leader of the monastic order. In a short while, Elder Joseph made Father Ephraim a hero-monk, and he stayed with the great elder and liturgized at the Annunciation. Father Harlambos stayed and liturgized in the contrite chapel of the forerunner. From the moment the younger, Father Joseph, stayed with Father Theophylactos at Saints Anagri. Elder Arsenios chose to stay only a stone's throw away at the hut opposite the holy forerunner. Elder Arsenios continued his great struggles in that hut, and it was there that I was blessed to first meet him. In the meantime, the great elder's health had been greatly shaken, and he foresaw and announced his end. After the Divine Liturgy on the 15th of August, in the Lord's year, 1959, Our Lady Theotokos received his blessed soul on the day of her holy dormition. The love of this holy elder for the Theotokos was so great that he carried her holy icon in his embrace throughout his life. He shed burning tears as he pleaded, When wilt thou come to me? When will you take my soul? The elder departs from this life. There is a great sense of orphanage and deep pain. The comforts now were Elder Arsenios, the order of the vigil the Brotherhood inherited, and Elder Joseph's last fatherly advice. This included the blessing the great elder gave for his spiritual children to remain each in their own hut after his death. This would enable them in the future to form their own brotherhood. From those little huts at Nuskeet, the first dough mixture was formed that overflowed with time. The dough rose and extended into the big Russian cells of Burizeri and St. Artemis Provada. Later, these huts also seemed small, and so the children of the desert were welcomed with open arms into the big and sacred monasteries of the holy mountain, Philotheu, Dionysiu, Zeraputamu, Vatopedi, and others. The hesychistic spirit was transplanted with the blessing of holy Elder Joseph. Virtue is cultivated based on the heritage, obedience, unceasing prayer, vigil, redemption of thoughts, and so on. I consider it appropriate here to relay a reminder to all of the spiritual descendants of these two great ascetics, 
Elder Arsenios often told us, watch the Tipicon that you have found. We shed blood with the elder to pass it on to you ready-made. You only need to keep it. For the above reasons, let each one of us take aboard their responsibilities if we want to boast that we are descendants of such ancestors. Part F at Burzeri Move from Nuski to the big Russian cells Burzeri and start Artemios Provada, 1967. As I previously mentioned, after the blessed repose of the great elder, each of his spiritual children confined themselves to their own hut and kept the hesychistic tipicon according to the elder's tradition. However, it wasn't long before the reputation of the hesychistic fathers of this area spread. The neighboring holy monasteries of St. Paul and Dionysiu had already invited them as spiritual fathers. Father Ephraim went to the monastery of St. Paul and Father Harlambos to Dionysiu. They, they were to assist the monks and reach higher spiritual levels as Gabriel, the ever-memorable and wise abbot of the holy monastery of Dionysiu, used to say. Father Gabriel also humbly confessed we would get worn down with the administrative duties of the monastery. Many brothers who went to Nuski for confession decided to stay there with their spiritual guides and to become monks. The result was that it did not take long for the huts to fill. They were then forced to enlarge them so they could accommodate the new monks, but more monks came later. Then, for practical reasons, the two here monks decided to move to a more spacious place. It became known from various sources that there were large Russian cells strewn in the areas of Philotheu and Provada and the cell of Burzeri at Keriez. My Yeronda, Father Harlambos, then invited and sent one of the brothers who has now gone to the heavenly realms, and my humble self to the holy monastery of Philotheu to examine the area around it and the cells. We went past the hut of Elder Arsenios to get his blessing, but before we spoke to him, he told us, Don't go to Philotheu. We are going to Borazeri. How do you know, Yanonda? Panagia revealed it to me in my prayer. He started describing in detail the buildings and the sole monk there who was Russian. I then asked him, Is it the will of our Panagia that we move from here? I have known for days now that we are going to leave. I saw Papu Yosif in my dream a few nights ago as a building supervisor at some large buildings. I asked him, Whose cells are these, Yerunda? He told me, They are ours. Go to the ones at Philotheu to see them, but know that we are going to end up at Burazeri. We climbed up to Keriez and went first to Burazeri. Indeed, they were like the elder described them. However, the Russian would not enter into any conversation about accepting a brotherhood with Greeks. We then went to the monastery of Philotheu and examined some large but ruined cells. The fathers of the then idiorhythmic monastery very politely offered to give them to us, but we did not find them suitable. We said on the way back, It's good at Burazeri, but how are we going to force the Russian to accept us? The solution was found. Because the elder, Father Harlambos, was born in Russia and knew how to speak Russian, he was a suitable negotiator. 
yet after the first encounter he returned unsuccessful. The next day Elder Arsenios called Father Harlambos and told him, Tomorrow go to Burizeri. I saw our Panagia tonight and the Russian being fierce toward you. Our Panagia took him and made him as gentle as a little lamb. With this con confirmation, Elder Harlambos went again to Burizeri. He looked for the Russian monk, who was nowhere to be found. The elder found an open door and looked inside, out of curiosity. It was the Church of the Holy Protection of the Theotokos, and inside was the old Russian monk. When he saw the elder, the monk was overwhelmed by a sudden rage of anger and ran to hit the elder with a stick. He hadn't reached the elder when suddenly he changed his disposition. He threw down the stick, embraced the elder, and began to say, You good man, tomorrow come here with the monks. He took the elder up and showed the elder a building. This enough me, the rest is all yours. Since events unfolded in this way, within a few days the small brotherhood was transplanted to this large Chalandari cell. At about the same time the brotherhood of Father Ephraim moved to the large cell of St. Artemios at Provada. At that time, Father Yosif, now at Vatopedi, was out in the world on an important mission. On his return, he remained at Nuskit, but moved from this little hut, which did not have a chapel, to the hut of the Annunciation. This was left behind by the brotherhood of Father Ephrem, which had just moved to Provada. From this little hut at the Annunciation, Our Lady Theotokos provided for two monasteries, dedicated to the Annunciation, to be filled with monks, the monastery of Philotheu and Vatopedi. From the small hut of the birth of the forerunner, the holy monastery of Dionysiu, dedicated to the birth of the holy forerunner, was supplied with monks. Taking the above incidents into account, it is worth commenting here that Elder Arsenios was a simple and guileless little elder, I emphasize guileless because, believe me, I lived with him for 18 years, and I never saw him get angry or lose his temper. I remember only once when he raised his voice commandingly over a disagreement with someone who insisted that a certain job be done differently. However, the elder had foreseen with his prayer that there would have been an accident if he gave it to the other person. That is why he said with a strict tone, You will be obedient. It will be done in this way. Indeed, he was absolutely right. The Dreams of the Elder I think it worthwhile to say a few words so as to clarify the dreams of the elder. Ordinary dreams are different to visions seen by those who struggle, and which usually occur during prayer and at a time of overwhelming exhaustion. Those who see visions are seized by something that is so real that the spiritual struggle does not know if he is sleeping or not. We see something similar in the Acts of the Apostles. The centurion Cornelius, who prayed constantly to God, had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel, Acts chapter 10, verses 2 to 3. Similarly, the elder frequently saw extraordinary visions when praying. He would often see his fellow ascetic, Elder Joseph, who even after death directed and protected him from traps and mistakes. I refer to one instance as an example. Although Elder Arsenios, out of his great goodness and simplicity, easily gave blessings, 
I remember once when, surprisingly, he was unyielding to such a degree that he saddened a certain brother. When asked why he appeared so hard, he replied, The elder came to me last night and said, Be careful, Arsenios. Don't take on the loads of others. H is going to come tomorrow. Don't give him a blessing. As for ordinary dreams, Elder Arsenios often saw Papu Yosif, and he explained it as something completely natural. Quote, we lived together. We were inseparable all our lives. The dreams are a storehouse. You will get whatever you've got there. If you are a thief, you will also be stealing in your sleep. If you are a fornicator, love money, and so on, that is what you will see. If you are a struggler in prayer, then even in your sleep you will be praying. Indeed, this prayer will give you much strength and sweetness during the day. He also used to say, Be careful of giving the evil one rights. He takes advantage of them, especially during your sleep. That's how the elder, despite his simplicity, was able, through grace and many years of experience, to distinguish what was from God, what was natural, and what was from the devil. The elder moves to Burazeri, first stop, St. Artemios, Provada. Elder Arsenios, with the neighboring brotherhood of Father Ephraim, were first to abandon the huts of Nuskeet. The move took place with Chestnut, one of the brotherhood's two fine mules. Responsible for tending the mules was the hard-working and untiring, but also loved by all, Monk Arsenios, who related, Footnote, Monk Arsenios, a different person from Elder Arsenios. As the elder was not used to riding, he became so exhausted from the mule going up and down the rugged terrain that every so often he pleaded with me to let him down. However, because I was unable to lift him back up on my own, I tried to encourage him by saying, Come on, Yerinder, we're there. Come on, we're there. However, four hours passed before we eventually arrived. In the end, the elder complained, Oh, you with the same name, what did you what did you do to me? I've been cut all over, you've maimed me. All the parts of my body have been destroyed. I won't be able to stand on my feet again. When we finally arrived, we carried the elder and transferred him to bed. Actually, we all feared that perhaps the elder would remain paralyzed in bed. Strangely, the next morning, tic-tac with his walking stick, the elder passed by our new cell as if nothing happened. There was another miracle for us because, although he always had a strong constitution, he was over 80 years old. Within a few days, our brotherhood also left New Skeet. Elder Arsenios blessed the new cell at Provada, its elder, Ephraim, and the brotherhood. We met up again with Elder Arsenios in the new, large, and peaceful Hilandarian Buzeri. The Repose of the Russian, the Dog of Liar Basil. As I previously mentioned, Ioannikios, the Russian hero deacon, kept a building for himself, the one that was near the large refectory. Apart from the Russian hero deacon, there were eight other laypeople called Kaviotis. It's a footnote, a class of people on the holy mountain of both monastics and laypeople who are deprived of personal possessions. Because of this, they are also called unfortunates. They are quiet and pious people who stay in monastic buildings with nominal rent. 
Most of them are supported by going to the nearby holy monasteries. Some of them work and earn enough to be self-sufficient. To continue, and the eight other lay people who were staying there and paid nominal rent of one drachma per month. Obviously, the Kavyotis hindered the hesychistic program of our brotherhood. Unfortunately, Father Ioannikios loved them and wanted them to stay. Apart from that, although he was very good, he intervened in his capacity as the elder of the cell and caused small problems. So from the very first days, the normality of the hesychistic program was hindered. Inexperienced as we were, we worried and were troubled by thoughts and doubts that although the Russian elder was old, he was at a peak and worked like a young man. The only one who was peaceful and calm was Elder Arsenios. One day I dared to ask him, Yeranda, what's going to happen with that old monk? The elder replied simply and soberly, Believe me, my child, he's not going to see the year through. I got his blessing and left for my diaconima, thinking the poor elder was comforting us, and yet his forecast came true. In an unexpected accident, the good elder Ioannikios passed away and gained his dues, of course, for having given us this large cell for free, as if we were his natural heirs. As a sign of gratitude, Elder Harlambos, in agreement with Elder Arsenios, named the first brotherhood, the first brother, who was tonsured a monk at Burzeri, Ioannikios. This monk, who later was at the Holy Monastery of Dinosiu, was re repeatedly the protetipisas of the Holy Mountain, of Logisan, the Holy Committee. Part of the Holy Committee of Mount Athos is made up of 20 representatives, one from each monastery. Each year, in turn, the leading five monasteries have the privilege of appointing the president of the Holy Committee, who is the protos of the Holy Mountain. To continue, from then on, things started falling into place. In a short while, the elder called the Caviotis, gave them a generous amount of money, and pleaded with them to find another place to stay. Indeed, it was not long before they found a place. Most of them went to the lions, as they often used to call the large Hilandari cell of St. Ignatius. While the Caviotis were at Borizeri, they stayed in a building that was higher up than the other buildings. When they left, some of the fathers who loved Hezekiah, including Elder Arsenios, took it over because it was quieter. Actually, towards the east, there was a nice expanse which was suitable for the summer vigils. But again, the peace was disturbed by the constant barking of a dog all through the night. We asked the neighbors who the owner of this wild dog was, and they told us it was Liar Basil. Now, try finding who is Liar Basil. Finally, we learned that he was a monk and actually the elder of the nearby cell of St. Kyriakos. His name was Monk Basil. I don't know how they gave him that nickname. Now, what was going to happen with the dog of Liar Basil? We aired our complaints against, again, two elder Arsenios, the elder who was sufficiently unsettled. My goodness, fathers, he has disturbed our peace. But don't worry, something is going to happen. The next night, the dog surprisingly did not utter a sound. The second, third night passed. Again, nothing. What happened to the dog? The elder called us and said, Fortunately, we've quieted down. 
I prayed to our Panagia. She sealed his mouth. From then on, with Elder Arsenios's miraculous intervention, we were also relieved of the dog's barking. The only thing that remained was the curiosity of the dog's owner. One day, at a shop in Queries, Elder Basil, that is the liar Basil, was heard complaining, Something has happened to my wretched dog. It's lost its voice. This was another indication of the boldness of Elder Arsenios's prayers. The Elder and the Fleas We were saved from the dog, but now, fleas. All the rooms were full of fleas. What were we going to do? Get ready for spraying. We also went to Elder Arsenios's room, and he saw us with the sprayer. What do you want here with that? He was pointing to the sprayer. Yeranda, we came to spray the fleas. Spray elsewhere. I don't need it. But Yeranda, they're going to eat you. The fleas are going to eat me? Who said? If a flea bites me, it's going to die. We took it as a joke, of course, but it seemed that the elder was serious. The fleas affected everyone except for the elder. Pilgrimage to Panagia Portaesa, the spiritual father, Father Maximos, and his disciple, Monk Nectarios. Having finally settled at our new residence, Elder Arsenios, filled with holy desire for the Theotokos, decided to go to the venerable holy monastery of Ivoron, which keeps the famous miracle-working icon of Panagia called Portaesa. My lowly self and the then-novice Alexandros, later tonsured and renamed the monk Ioannikios, accompanied Elder Arsenios on his pilgrimage. The elder, filled with tears and holy desire for the Theotokos, venerated first the holy icon of our Panagia. We did the same with our corresponding desire. By coincidence, the monk assigned to look after the church for many decades was the pious spiritual father, Father Maximus. When they met, it did not take long for the two elders to realize that they were compatriots, both of them descended from glorified Pontos. The ever-memorable spiritual father extended hospitality to us in the monastery's Akandariki. There, an elderly monk was untiringly serving with so much eagerness and kindness that we were amazed. Indeed, Father Maximus did not overlook giving deserved praise for his disciple. He is my monk. I made him a monk. He has been in an Archandridis for many years the, to look after the guests. Do you see how many crowds come daily to our monastery? He never saddened or turned away anyone, even if there were one or two hundred individuals a day. Almost on his own, he makes the beds and unmakes them. He feeds the crowds and gives them something to drink. He doesn't only use the monastery's money, but also his own small wage, to which he is entitled in order to look after himself. Short while ago, some Germans asked to eat watermelon. He immediately ran and brought watermelon, bought watermelon with his own money so that they could eat. I was amazed hearing this monk's great eagerness. However, it raised a question, and I asked the spiritual father, Yerondo, I'm amazed at the eagerness of Father Nectarios. However, we are monks. How does he manage to fit in his spiritual duties? I'm glad you asked. I assure you that he does not overlook any of his spiritual duties, and he is first to go to the services. The other fathers, seeing how tired he gets, often say, 
Father Nectarios, rest a little. It's not necessary to come first to the services. However, he pays no attention. He is hard and uncompromising with himself. As he has told me, the Portaisa gives him so much strength and refreshes him that he is rested spiritually as well as physically. The little sleep that he steals on the Stasidi is enough. However, the goodness and charity of Father Maximus, as well as his disciple, did not stop there. From what the poor elders of Kapsala informed me, Father Maximus and Father Nectarios regularly went to the cells of Kapsala and supplied the elders with whatever they needed. We left from Our Lady Theotokos, the Porteesa, strengthened by her rich grace, but also greatly benefited from the most precious gems that we discovered, which we didn't expect. The reputation then of the idiorhythmic monasteries was anything but good. My lowly self, as well as the previously mentioned novice, later known as Monk Ioannikios, for many years took turns in the diaconoma of Guestmaster. We not only did this at Burzeri, but also at the Holy Monastery of Dionysiu. However, we always had the example of the monk of the idiorhythmic monastery before our eyes, strengthened by the example of this simple and virtuous monk, and despite the limited space in our monastery, we never deprived any pilgrim being extended hospitality for at least 24 hours. Last Elderly Struggles Elder Harlambo set the Tipicon for the daily vigil. Each monk prayed for his own for five to six hours, and during this time also performed his monastic rule. This included 150 to 300 matanyas, the prostrations that is, and four lots of 300 prayer ropes with crosses. Footnote, at each knot of the 300 prayer rope, the monk crosses himself and says the prayer, Kyrie Isu Christe eleison me. To continue, the vigil ended with common worship for two to two and a half hours with the seal of the daily divine liturgy. When we went to Burzeri, Elder Arsenios was about 85 years old. He used to say that despite his intense struggles, he never got sick, nor put a pill in his mouth. However, his body started giving away to such an extent that when he knelt down, he could not get up on his own. And yet, how does one who has good habits come up with ways to struggle? He often told us that Abba Isaac wrote in his ascetical homilies, Quote, one who wants to be saved will find means. So what did the elder scheme? He did his prostrations by bending down to the bed in his cell. From that point, he could get back up. He said, however, because the prostrations are only halfway, I do double the amount, and that way I come out even. As for prayer, for as long as he was able to, he always prayed standing or kneeling. However, when he got old and his legs started to protest, he began changing his stance, and sometimes he prayed standing, and sometimes he prayed sitting. He would tell us, if you want to bear fruit, stand as much as you can during prayer. The elder was right because he tasted from experience the sweet fruit of the Holy Spirit through his great toils and vigils. At about 90 years of age, he told us, I begin praying by standing for a little but then divine grace takes over, and I forget myself. When I begin to feel weary, I notice that three hours have already passed. 
The sweetness, the joy, and the peace of the soul even strengthened the elder's weak body. With the ascetic Elder Paisios, in 1968, if I remember correctly, the first of eight Iterythmic monasteries of the Holy Mountain, the monastery of Stavno Nikita, was filled with monks and was transformed into a Cenobitic community. Father Vasilios was the pioneer and first abbot, and later he became the first abbot of the Holy Monastery of Ivoron. Father Vasilios was considered a member of the Brotherhood of Elder Paisios. This consisted of quite a number of monks who lived and struggled on their own, but were under the supervision of this blessed and great ascetic. When the monastery of Stavner Nikita filled with monks, Abbot Vasilios pleaded for Father Paisios to stay within the monastery to support the newly formed Cenobitic community. At that time, according to Divine Economy, the great Russian ascetic and spiritual father, Father Tikhon, who stayed in the nearby Stavner Nikitin cell of the Holy Cross, became sick. Father Paisios was privileged to look after Father Tikhon during his last years and to be the one to close his eyes. After the holy repose of the above great ascetic, Paisios, who struggled in similar manner, succeeded him in the cell. So we had a good neighborhood with this ever-memorable and holy elder Paisios, and indeed he often participated in our worship services at night and in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Later, out of love, he used to remain with us during our meal, and with the exhortation of our elder, Father Harlambos, he used to give us counsels with much modesty. He often said with humility, You don't have a need here, you have two holy elders. He used to speak with both elders together, but also with each one separately. He said that he gained great benefit from both, but vice versa. Elder Harlambos often went to Elder Paisios in difficult situations, as well as to Father Ephrem Katanakiotis and Father Ephrem from Philotheu. This was Elder Arsenios' exhortation to Father Harlambos, who always sought his advice. My Yerunda, Father Harlambos, confessed, I never sought the advice of Elder Arsenios and found it not to be spot on. And yet, we again see here the great humility of Elder Arsenios. He often referred Father Harlambos to the above-mentioned elders as superior to him. Elder Paisios, in the book Athenite Fathers, Athenite Matters, dedicates a short chapter on a conversation with Elder Arsenios, who in his simplicity expresses a doubt. I place it before you unaltered. Quote, when I pray with the Komboskini standing, I feel a strong divine fragrance. When I say that Jesus bears sitting, I only feel a light fragrance. Despite the fact that the elder Arsenios was then 95 years old, he continued to struggle with Philotimo. Footnote, Philotimo is the revered distillation of goodness, the love shown by humble people, from which every trace of self has been filtered out. Their hearts are full of gratitude toward God and to their fellow man, and out of spiritual delicacy, sensitivity, they try to repay the slightest good which others do to them. Note by Elder Paisios, in translating note, to continue. He continued to struggle with Philotimo and was constantly enriched spiritually, even though he had already set aside a lot of spiritual capital. 
Elder Paisios was greatly amazed because the fragrance of prayer requires a clean heart and is exuded by the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling there. Nevertheless, this great ascetic preferred to rem remain amazed and let Elder Arsenios solve his own query. From then on, Father Paisios acquired even greater respect for the elder. And a personal dilemma. We read that many great saints, St. Anthony, Paphnutius, Zosimas, and so on, wondered how many people were greater than them. Did Paisios, this truly great contemporary ascetic, have the same thought? And did the enlightened answer of Elder Arsenios with his above confession solve Father Paisios's query? Elder Paisios, sitting one day on an outdoor bench with Elder Arsenios, asked, Yerana, do you ever see Papuyos even in your sleep? Elder Arsenios replied with simplicity, Yes, Yananda, I see him. Actually, a couple of nights ago, I saw him while alive. He came and embraced me and told me, How long will we live separately? Come, I am waiting for you. I answered, But it's not as though it's my doing. From personal conversations I had with Elder Paisios, I confirmed the respect he held for our Elder Joseph. He used to say characteristically, Oh, what I lost! When I came to the holy mountain, Elder Joseph was alive. I heard of his reputation, and I asked an acquaintance of his, who said, Don't listen to what they say, it's all lies. I believed it, and I didn't go to meet him. However, when his letters were published and I read them, I realized what a rare person he was and what a great treasure I lost. Some Teachings from the Elder Although Elder Arsenios, out of humility, never addressed the communal meetings, yet his room became a small teaching room. Many brothers went to his room seeking support and posed many questions. One brother asked, Yeranda, when we serve in our diakonima, should we also be saying the prayer? Of course, the prayer should never stop. We try to say the prayer continuously, but our mind is distracted. When we say the prayer as much as we can, we try to also force our mind to understand what we are saying. However, to succeed in this, it requires a lot of effort. However, when working, say continuously, out loud, Kyrie Yisu Christe eleison me, Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me. The mind will certainly wander. It will go to the work you are doing. It will travel here and there. However, the ear is listening. Something will stay and it will gradually lower it to the heart. However, even if you don't understand the prayer, Satan understands it very well and trembles even hearing the name of Christ. Elder Arsenius continued, Yesterday the cook told me, Bless, the food got stuck. I replied, You must have had a bad thought. I don't remember, Yeranda. I then said, Your mind wandered, and prayer, zilch. You weren't praying. But what does that have to do with things? It has a lot to do with it. Take note and see whether the food sticks when you say the prayer constantly. You will also see what sweet food you will make while praying. Our elder Yosef used to cook for us. I watched him while he was cooking. His eyes were never dry from the tears. Where was his mind at that moment? And you should have seen what tasty food he made. The huts invited him to cook for their feasts. Elder Arsenios then turned to the cook and said, teasing, Yes, but Father, doesn't say the prayer so the food won't stick? 
we 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 laughed naturally and the elder was also good humored we left feeling happy but the words were inscribed deeply in the cook's heart while the elder was cooking his eyes were never dry from tears where was his mind at that moment another brother asked yet under many monks say the salutations while they are working instead of the prayer is that better oh our Panagia greatly loves the salutations. We used to say them with my elder off by heart while we were working two or three times a day. See, here's a book with salutations. It mentions in the beginning that our Panagia appeared to many saints and promised that she will protect in this life whoever says the salutations every day and after their death she will defend them before her son. Of course, the prayer is the basis. If you see that you have much eagerness saying the prayer, then don't stop. It includes everything. If the prayer weakens, then say the salutations. Panagia also greatly loves the hymn Theotoke Partheni. While saying it many times, our Panagia sometimes offers you an indescribable treat. Yaranda, when our body gives up from utter exhaustion, can we say the prayer lying down? Christ will provide for us according to our strength. If we truly can't pray standing or kneeling or even sitting, then he provides for us even while we are laying down. If, however, we have strength, then Satan is there and will immediately bring negligence and sleep. And there's even worse. You know, are we allowed to drink wine? Do well with your spiritual father. However, be careful, because wine to a young man becomes blood and to an old man it becomes water. As for food, if you eat a little in the morning during fasts, it won't harm you. As the latter says, it is better for us to eat twice a day and to overcome pride than to eat once a day and to think that we've accomplished something. After such strict struggles in the early years and having already tamed the wild passions, Elder Arsenios adapted to the Cenobitic program toward the end of his life, although he always ate with restraint. Reflecting on his earlier struggles, he was annoyed by the thought, and that's why he was in the habit of telling us, God gave me two gifts, the one to eat twice a day, the other never to get sick or to even put a pill in my mouth. Footnote, Elder Arsenius was tempted with the thought of sadness about what he was able to do earlier. He said it was a gift from God to eat twice a day, because in this way he was able to fight the temptation by a spiritual feat, denying his will through obedience to the Cenobitic program. To continue. And the other never got sick or to put a pill in the mouth. But perhaps was it not special grace to never get sick after so many difficult struggles? And he never washed his body with water for more than 70 years, except for his feet and head, and yet, the elder's body always had the pleasant aroma of the wilderness. I leave alone the fleas, the bugs, the lice, which were permanent residents of the two ascetics, taxing the little blood they had after such difficult fasts and bodily toils. Despite this, the elder never got sick, and neither did his strength fail him until his old age. In another small gathering, the elder also told us, as much as you can, Take care so that all the fathers are at peace with you. If you are at peace with 99 brothers in a Cenobitic community, but out of carelessness you have saddened one, 
then that one will stand as an obstacle in your prayer. One day a brother made a reverence and told me, Bless, Elder, I saddened a certain brother, and my prayer does not go well. I said, Oh, that's nothing. Make a reverence to your brother so that you are reconciled and prayer will return. But I did a prostration before you, yet isn't that enough? I answered, Well, no, it's not enough. You must also do a matanya to the one you've wronged. I saw he was somewhat reluctant and hesitant, resistant. Finally, he went and made a prostration. The next day he returned and told me, Thank you, Elder, for your advice. All last night I prayed with joy and contrition. Yananda, it's good to make a prostration. However, sometimes you might make a prostration before someone, but they don't accept it. What should we do then? You made a prostration. You are free. Only be careful that you have love in your heart. Actually, in the future, until he accepts your repentance, you should do a small prayer rope for him. To this day, these simple but wise counsels have often been a real support in our monastic journey. From the Life of the Elder One day at our monastery, where the elder lived his last years, one of the brothers said to him, Yaranda, I did my prostrations, but I have become fatigued. How many prostrations did you do? One hundred and fifty. The elder turned and said, He did one hundred and fifty prostrations and became fatigued? He said it with all his simplicity and was amazed. As a few young monks happened to be gathered together, I found it was opportune time for us to benefit. So I asked, Yaranda, how many prostrations would you do? We did up to 3,000 prostrations when we were young and prayer ropes all night with crosses. Once, though, my shoulder got sore, and I told the elder. From then on, he made me do the prayer ropes with no crosses, except for those that were compulsory in our daily prayer rule. If it's blessed, tell us a little about your struggles during your time with Elder Joseph. In the early years at St. Basil, after we buried our elder, only the two of us remained. We struggled separately in our own cells with a common spirit. With Papu Yosif's initiative, we tried the various means of vigil that the Holy Fathers write about. For a long period of time, we never slept on a bed. Our vigil began in the afternoon and finished in the morning with the first break of light. When it was day, as we were tired and exhausted, we sat on a bench or a wooden stool to give our body its necessary dues before we began our handiwork. All through the year, we ate only once a day, mainly rusks, or bread if we had any, or whatever else was handy. We ate without oil, except on the weekends. We did handiwork during the day, and I mostly took care of the cell's exterior needs. At the same time, we constantly said, Kyrie Isu Christe, Lord Jesus Christ. The elder considered idle chatter a deadly sin. Footnote, I place before you the words of Elder Joseph on page 218 from the recently published book on Elder Ephraim Katanakiotis. Elder Joseph says to Father Ephraim, Now during Great Lent we will liturgize on Saturday. We will take communion. We will eat and talk with Father Arsenios until Sunday night. On Sunday night we will do a prostration. Then during all during the week, we don't talk. We won't talk. We will communicate with signs. You will come on Saturday. We will take communion, and then we will talk.
continue. Oh no, Yaranda, with what you're saying, we're going to be damned. No, it's not like that. Don't look at what we did. If you do two things, obedience and your spiritual duties, Christ will put us together. As for prostrations, do whatever your elder considers appropriate for each according to their strength. I will also tell you two more things. Watch your tongue as much as possible. Don't engage in idle chatter or criticize others. But while you are doing your obedience, try to say the prayer continuously. Are these things difficult? No, Yonanda. Well, go with my blessing, and if you put these things in practice, Christ will put us together, all together. Your guardian angel goes before you. From now on, they'll be saying, Huramonk Harlambos. We stayed at Burzeri for 12 years, between the years 1967 and 1979, and it was such a large and spacious cell that we could have stayed there until now. However, the lack of people at the monasteries often forced fathers to trouble us with their requests to fill the monasteries with monks. They wanted us to follow the example of the Brotherhood of St. Artemios at Provado, which was successfully transplanted into the then idiorhythmic holy monastery of Philotheu because it had a shortage of monks. Despite his initial protests, Elder Harlambos finally relented to his spiritual children's fervent pleas at the holy monastery of Dionysiu. Although there were several young monks at the time, the fathers, considered the long term, decided to strengthen their monastery with the brotherhood and presence of their elder, Father Harlambos. He was the monastery's spiritual father for many years. Let it be noted that from when Holy Elder Joseph reposed, all the brotherhoods of his spiritual children commemorated Elder Arsenios as the connecting link. Before our final move to the Holy Monastery of Dionysio was decided, Elder Arsenios saw Elder Joseph in his dream telling him, Until now they have been saying, Monk Arsenios and his brotherhood. From now on, they'll be saying, Hero Monk Harlambos. The elder heard this but gave a different explanation. He analyzed it as meaning he will be meeting his beloved fellow ascetic and said, It seems my days are numbered and my elder is informing me to prepare. Shortly, however, our transfer to the monastery of Dinusiu was an accomplished event. Our elder's name, Father Harlambos was commemorated as a result of being elected abbot. Then Elder Arsenios realized the explanation and said, smiling, What a shame! My time hasn't come yet. Part G. Last Years at the Monastery of Dionysiu. Repose of the Elder. To the Holy Monastery of Dionysiu. In the beginning of September 1979, after pleas, exhortations, and many deliberations, the final decision was made and the Brotherhood was now transplanted from the Helandarian Burzeri to the sacred monastery of Dionysiu. Many contemporary figures honored this holy monastery with their stay. The finest among these was the Elder Gabriel, who served as an abbot. He held that position for four decades and was now in the last years of his life. As well as this great shepherd, the monastery was now enriched with the presence of the ascetic Arsenios, who was a genuine child of the desert. Both dedicated themselves to God from their youth. 
They were of similar age when they renounced the world. They were both born in the same year, and they departed to the heavenly habitations in the same year to reap the fruits of their monastic struggles. We were counted worthy for four years to benefit from their last fair-spoken words, which were the result of many years of spiritual experience. Surprisingly, both elders, apart from some rare moments, maintained clarity of mind to the day they died. There were no memory lapses, illusions, and the like, as normally occurs with the very elderly. These holy old monks, for the first few years supported by an old walking stick, wandered about the Diaconimate to strengthen the brothers in their duties. Whoever undertook heavy jobs, for example, the cook, the guest house, and so on, knew how refreshingly inspiring was the presence of even one of the great elders. If you heard just two sweet words from their holy mouth, then your soul was re relieved, renewed, and could continue working with a lot more eagerness. One of the cooks used to say the following comforting words from the elder, echoed in his ear, Inasmuch as you have done to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. Matthew twenty-five forty. My child, this is what you will hear from the Lord. But from which holy mouth did this do come? This is another enigma. However, the certain thing is that those who served at the dependency, Manoklitikhi, excuse me, always had the special favor of the great elder Gabriel. They were always given double blessings. This was not only because this holy elder began his monastic life as a novice from Manoliti, but also because for all the years while he was abbot, this dependency provides supply, provided supplies for the monastery. Also, those who served there out of obedience and as their duty were isolated from the rest of the brothers of the monastery and were considered to be in exile. At the monastery's hospital, two years before his blessed repose, the first relay racer, Elder Gabriel, was confined to bed and nursed in the monastery's small hospital. The next year, the other struggler of the desert, Elder Arsenios, followed him to the same ward. With the clarity of mind which distinguished both little elders, the monastery's hospital became a real spiritual center. The abbot, down to the last monk, as well as many pilgrims, visited the hospital. The two nurses of our monastery, Elder Yakovos and Father Kalinikos, untiringly alternated in carrying out their duties. They had the blessing to take care of many other holy old monks. However, in the present situation, our Panagia and the great forerunner allowed them to be enriched with the last blessings of two great contemporary holy figures of the Athenite community. Of course, it would be unjust if we were silent about the voluntary service of several other brothers, amongst whom were monks Agapios, Nephon, and Seraphim, who provided a little respite for the monks nursing Diaconima. The seal of the, first, the final struggles of the two long-living athletes occurred in this ward. Elder Gabriel was often heard repeating the single-phrase prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Hero Monk D, a graduate of the Athenite Academy, who was under the protection of our monastery, did not forget, as sometimes happens, his spiritual nurturer and mother. He often visited our monastery, and especially his elder, the former Abbot Gabriel, who was now bedridden. 
the most devout father, D, was also, according to many who knew him, a real teaser. It was an opportunity to have some fun with the elders. He approached Elder Arsenios. The elder had his head lowered, completely absorbed in unceasing noetic prayer. On the other side was Elder Gabriel, who could be heard repeating aloud, Kyrie Isu Christe eleison me, Kyrie Isu Christe eleison me. The teaser, Father D said to Elder Arsenios, Yeronda, do you hear the other Yeronda opposite? Yes, my child. Well done. He is constantly saying the prayer. Why aren't you saying it, Yeronda? Ah, you don't know. He's a beginner. He is still saying it out loud. Well, luckily, the other elder was hard of hearing. Fruits from the many years of struggle. St. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, summarizes that the end of all spiritual struggle is to bear spiritual fruit. He says, quote, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This glorious fruit was obvious in both little elders, but you easily distinguished a difference. The first spent the majority of his spiritual journey as a leader, while the other as one who followed. Each pleased God where he was called. It is difficult to alter the tone and also the ethos of a whole life. The first was commanding, the second was beseeching or quiet. One of the nurses of our monastery often said, I was counted worthy to take care of many holy little elders. However, I never met such a placid sheep as Elder Arsenios. The ever-memorable Elder Gabriel used to say, Believe me, the administrative duties did not leave me time to concentrate on prayer. Now I have felt the sweetness of unceasing prayer in Hezekiah. The sweetness of prayer, which visited Elder Gabriel during his time of pain, was nothing other than the presence of the Holy Spirit. This corroborates the testimony of how much this holy elder pleased God as an abbot. However, it is the prerogative of the genuine disciple to enjoy these fruits of the Holy Spirit throughout his spiritual journey according to how much he gives himself, without holding back, to obedience. His soul then, captivated by divine eros, dissolves in a stream of tears, not out of fear, but out of nostalgia for death, to depart and dwell constantly with the desired one. If the martyrs, and all who were made worthy of the grace of martyrdom, ran with inexpressible joy to have their feet and hands cut off, and every part of their body, even their head, then let each one consider how much stronger divine eros is than all the most painful tortures. This blessed Elder Arsenios reached the level of grace of a martyr, having given himself completely to obedience during all his years of ascesis, as we witnessed living with him until his last breath. Of course, he didn't die as a martyr simply because he didn't have the opportunity. However, it is without doubt his intention is considered to be like that of a martyr. He disciplined his body and brought it under subjection with another type of martyrdom, with hardships, many years of fasts, a multitude of prostrations, by standing all through the night, sleeping on the floor, walking around in rags and barefoot, and accepting abuse as if he were a fool. He endured the frightful martyrdom of conscience and did not react in the slightest, not even with a thought. 
The elder, therefore, was a fool for the wise of the world, but clever in Christ because he sold everything in order to buy the precious pearl, Christ. So he utters with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. The Blessed End 1st of September, 1983 Summer comes to an end and at the same time foreshadows the end of the two long-living strugglers for heaven. One after the other hands over the staff. Going back and forth from the Holy Mountain's capital where I happened to be serving, I would quickly go down to the monastery's hospital. When I heard Father Kalinikos, the experienced nurse, say the days of the elders are numbered, I didn't want to believe it. Although death is a passage to life, human sentiments often dominate. You live with someone for a whole life. When he who passes away happens to be your spiritual guide and benefactor, then obviously his absence is even more intense. For us, the spiritual children of Elder Arsenios, these feelings dominated. The holy elder, calmly sensing that his end was near, revealed and emptied all of himself to his spiritual descendants. Many brothers did not ask anything when they approached him, for he anticipated and read their thoughts and their problems and at the same time gave a suitable remedy. He specifically called over a certain brother who had thoughts of leaving the monastery, and after Elder Arsenios revealed the brother's thoughts, offered the monk the necessary remedy to save him from his warfare. However, he particularly spoke in detail to the abbot, who was his nephew according to the flesh and godson and guided him in many things about which he was uninformed. Finally, he gave his last blessings and counsels. Elder Arsenios made it through to the beginning of September, exhausted, but maintaining clarity of mind until his end, completely ready and awaiting the big journey. He farewelled and counseled each of the brothers, naturally and calmly, as one who was going to another place, but who at the same time was counting every minute. The summons was issued. The execution seemed delayed, but the blessed moment arrived, late at midnight, on the first toward the second of the month. For a moment it seemed that the elder's face shone and his soul flew toward the heavens. But not to appear that he ignored his beloved sister, nun Ephraxia, as she told me herself, early that evening she vividly felt the elder's presence and a sweet breeze in her soul. This was prolonged all through the night with an unprecedented and strange appearance. A sweet-sounding bird stayed outside the window all night, chirping so sweetly as if an angelic and heavenly melody could be heard preparing her to soberly receive the message. Daybreak on the 2nd of September, and the joyful but sad message reached with a morning phone call from the Holy Monastery of Dionysiu. Mother Ephraxia, your brother, Elder Arsenios, has just passed away to the Lord. As for Elder Gabriel, during the last hours of his fellow struggler, he fell into a pre-deathly coma. This happened several times, and again he remained completely, he regained complete consciousness. This time, when he recovered, the first thing he asked was, what happened to the other little elder? The nurse told him, he died, Yerunda. He was silent for a moment, and then said with admiration, Good little elder. How do you know, Yeranda? I saw him in dazzling light, wearing a red, red belt around his waist. 
I inquired what the red belt meant and found out that according to the fathers it's a symbol of chastity or dispassion. But it was not long before Elder Arsenios dragged along Elder Gabriel, the other fellow struggler. Elder Gabriel followed about forty days later, as he had foreseen many years ago. Around 1966, Elder Gabriel, who was the abbot of the Holy Monastery of Dinusiu, visited us at Nuskeet. In a conversation with Elder Arsenios, they confirmed that they were the same age, both from birth and from their time as monastics. Then the abbot added, Well then, Yananda, we too will also die together. These words turned out to be a true prophecy. Footnote, the well-known pious and learned monk of our holy monastery, Father Theophylactos of Dionysiu, wrote a book dedicated to his elder with the title, My Yeronda, Abbot Gabriel. The Elder's Funeral News of the death of Elder Arsenios was immediately transmitted like a lightning flash, both within and outside the Holy Mountain. A multitude of monks came from nearly all the Holy Monasteries and the other holy dwelling places, as did many lay people from the world. However, most were his close-knit circle of spiritual relatives from the holy monasteries of Philotheu, Zeriputamu, Karakalu, Konstantinamitu, as well as from Katanakia, Nuskeet, and others. The funeral service was conducted with grandeur in the monastery's main church in the presence of many abbots. From there his holy relic was grandly laid to rest at its final place. His blessed fellow ascetic, Elder Joseph, received his soul with open arms. Remember when Elder Joseph once visited Father Arsenios and said with a lot of longing, Until when will we live separately? The ever-memorable Elder Arsenios then answered with his spontaneous simplicity, But it's not as though it's my doing. Well, now the blessed time had come for the final reunion of the two fellow strugglers. A little before the holy repose of Elder Arsenios, the great elder came again. Not to say this time, when are you coming, but rather, Arsenios, the blessed time has come. I am waiting for you with open arms. When the two met as young monks on the summit of Athos, they promised that only death would separate them. The death of the first elder separated the two inseparable struggles, strugglers for twenty-four years, they were then finally united with the repose of the second elder. Having toiled together, they now enjoy the sweet fruits of their labors together. At the same time, they pray unceasingly, as they both promised, for their orphaned children, for the world, and especially for all who with faith call upon their prayers. May their memory be eternal. The Elder's Letters we have the exceptional blessing to enrich this book with several letters written by Elder Arsenios' own hand, which he addresses in a fatherly manner toward one of his many spiritual children outside the Holy Mountain. From these simple and sincere letters, we undoubtedly gain great benefit. Significantly, through their living witness, the spiritual wealth of this simple and almost illiterate ascetic is revealed. As is known, the Elder was of a mature age when he taught himself the little Greek he knew, Therefore, we have to be quite lenient when it comes to syntax. However, one is amazed at the deep meanings in the content of the letters, and the reader forms the impression that they are a reflection from personal experience. These meanings are drawn from Holy Scripture, 
as well as from the Holy Fathers and often from the original text, which he fully understood. His many commonly used phrases like, Our sweet Jesus, Our most sweet Christ, Panagia, Our mother, and so on, are nothing other than the outflowing of a pure heart, imbued with ardent divine eros, which feels the imperative need to manifest its spiritual wealth. But as for anything further, let's leave the reader extract his own conclusion. Of course, we owe thanks to our dear Father P, who, out of Philotimo and love, enriched this book with the letters written to him from Elder Arsenios's own hand. May the Elder's blessing guide him along the right path and in every good work. Amen. Letter A, Year 1959 My dear child, P.M., May you have my blessing, and I desire your holy soul and to see you in person. Bless. Christ is with us. I pray for Magdalene and Vasiliki. I rejoice with your good intention. And again I pray that our sweet Christ counts us worthy to be in the Jerusalem on high near our elder. And again I rejoice with your good intention, and you ask me, what do I want? What does a monk want? Paradise. To flee from Adam's exile. Is there anything better than love? I want your love. Wherever there is love, there is Christ. Father Ephraim told me your health is not so well. This is a letter from Christ to wake us up, to be violent with ourselves. Violence. The violent have taken the kingdom of heaven. I wish you are granted the health of soul and body by our sweet Christ. And I still wait. The boat hasn't come yet to whistle. What can I do? Patience. The one who endures to the end will be saved. I become like a fool for my brother. I will relate to you from patristics. The Holy Fathers liken this world to a lake, and there inside is a boat full of people, and in the boat there is everything. That is gold, diamonds, and many other different things, and the people who are inside are trying to gather what each one can, and they fight over who will get the most while the boat is going up and down. There is a great storm in the sea. It is impossible for the boat to be saved. It will sink, and all who are inside will drown. Unfortunately, there is insensitivity among all those who are inside. Instead of praying to plead with God to be saved, like mad, like drunks, with great impulsion they gather and fight. Who will grab the most? And the monks outside the boat are on the dry land. They sit around the lake and they say to each other, Look at the fools, what insensitivity they have. Although the boat is in danger of sinking, those inside are gathering. Inside there is every kind of thing, and they are fighting over who will get the most, instead of praying and pleading with God not to drown. Amin. Explanation. Now I will explain to you. The lake is the world. The boat is the life of a person. The disturbance of the lake, which is the world, means the ups and downs of the world. Those who gather the different things inside are the vanity of vanities of the world. Meaning? Meaning wealth. Who will be the wealthiest? Who will enjoy the goods of this world? Who will be unjust to the other? The fighting inside the boat, their insensitivity. It is sin. Theaters. Dances. Singing. The comforts of the body. And so on. 
Amin, 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 I believe you have understood. The monks are sitting around the lake on the dry land. Because the monk is in repentance, he has denied the world. He looks for his salvation. He follows our most sweet Jesus. His salvation is in his hand. Like a craftsman who can find the way to be saved if he wants to. Whereas the worldly people find themselves in ignorance and sleep, as Christ told his disciples. When they asked him why parables are said to the people, he said, It is only for you to know, not the world. They seeing do not see, hearing they don't listen, they sleep. I believe you have understood, but we will also say this. They who love to be saved and have fear of God, they are also found on the dry land. Abba Isaac names the passions world. Wherever there are passions, there is the world. Wherever there is peace, there is our sweet Christ. Forgive me, you will get very tired reading, and your guardian angel will also get tired. And again, I thank you for your good intention. You are showing me your love. Thank you. May you have my blessing as well as Magdalene and Vasiliki. May God count us worthy of his heavenly kingdom, near our elder. Amin, amin, amin. The least and lowly, Monk Arsenios. And again, I pray that God enlightens your brother, Eustathio, that he follows you, and you become a couple of our most sweet Jesus and of our Panagia. When I left the world, one of my sisters followed, and now she is in Egina. If you went there, perhaps you saw her. I made her a nun named Sister Ephraxia when I went out in the year 1929. That's why I pray that perhaps God will enlighten him, meaning Eustathio, and you will be a couple together like Saints Cosmas and Demionos. It is written in Patristics. There were three siblings. The two said to their younger brother, Brother, behold, we have left all our estate to you, and we are leaving to become monks. He immediately says, You have divided wrongly. For you it is heaven, and for me earth. He followed them too. Amin. I pray that God takes your grandmother with real repentance to heaven. Amin. And I pray for your father, Gregorio. I learned that he passed away in repentance. I thank God. He didn't allow your father to be damned. Give my greetings to whoever inquires about me. And I got your Comboschini. Thank you. And again, I greet you and pray for all of you. Whoever asks me, Amin. The least lowly monk, Arsenios. Amin. I am from Samsunta, from the villages. We are Pontians. I don't know grandmother's villages. Anyway, from a young age, my parents went to Russia, to the Caucasus. I grew up there. End of letter A. Letter B. My dear P. P. My child, I hope that God makes you well. We are in good health, soul and body. May you also be in well health. My elder has left me orphaned. Actually, I will tell you, he was my other half in spiritual struggle. I thank God and our mother, our Panagia. On the 15th of August, his soul was taken from my embrace. He says, Father Arseni, take off my socks to rub my legs a little to be eased. As soon as I took them off, he says, I am leaving. Bless. Immediately embraced him. He left like a bird from my embrace. 
On the day of our Panagia, he says, My children, pray that my mother takes me because I am not well. I am suffering a lot. I thank God in our Panagia. Glory to you, O God. Glory to you, O God. Glory to you, O God. He has been saved from Adam's exile, but I haven't gone yet. Being alone is unbearable. I took a basket of rusks and went down to the sea near Father Ephraim's hut. The priest went up to Panagia, and I now wait for when the boat will whistle and I leave from Adam's exile. My world has gone dark, and indeed that is how it is for monks, but doubly for me. What can I do? Glory to you, O God. Like the dove, I have lost my other half. I cannot rest. If I could live without bread, I would want to stay in a cave and not see anyone. Glory to you, O God. The children do not leave me hungry. They bring me my food every day. I thank you for sending me ten dollars. May our Panagia give you your reward and the Holy Forerunner, and may you have my blessing, and I will also tell you this. Whoever knows what love means knows what struggle I have. Forty years we lived with so much love. In one moment he left from right before me. One hour to be in the garden, he would say, Father Sani, you're late. Only by being near me I am content. Night and day I wouldn't leave his side. I hope you are well. May you have the blessing of our mother, our Panagia. I also pray, the lowly monk Arsenios, and I pray for Magdalene. Letter C. Letterhead, Holy Mountain. Our dear child P, I hope you are well. I got your letter and was glad for your good health. I thank you a lot for the money that you sent me because you did me a great good. Because I work in the garden, I wanted to bring water and I was struggling with a tin can because we didn't have money to buy pipes. And now I gave what you have sent me to bring me pipes and I will find a lot of ease. And may you have your reward and I hope our Christ grants you eternal blessings and that we are together in heaven. Amen. Amin, Amin. And now I will tell you a story from the Holy Fathers. Someone once had three friends. With his first friend, they got along very well every day. He had a second friend. And with him, they got along well. Not like the first, a little less, not as good. He had a third friend, who he saw sometimes, but unfortunately with a cold heart. In the meantime, there was an announcement from the king that he would judge the one who committed a crime. He runs to his first friend. My friend, the king, is calling to judge me. I have done some crime. And that friend replies, I don't go out of the house. He was despairing. He goes to his second friend, and the friend replies, I only go up to the king's courtyard, but I don't go inside. He runs to his third friend, but with shame. How will I tell him I haven't thanked him at any time? But he goes with shame and says to him, My friend, the king has called me to judge me. Can you help me? This friend was immediately eager and went to the king and helped him. This is parabolically. The three friends are, the first is money, furniture of a house. The second friend is parents, siblings, relatives. Thirdly, the third friend is charity. When death comes, the first friend, that is money, furniture, doesn't go out of the house. The second friend, that is relatives, they just go up to the grave. 
The third friend, Charity, goes to our Christ and helps him. Signed, Monk Arsenios. Amin. End of letter C. Letter D. Letterhead, Christos Nesti, 1960. To my beloved and spiritual child, Hero Deacon P., Christ is risen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amin. And may the blessing of our mother protect you and shield you from every temptation, from every snare of the devil. Amin. And my blessing, a sinner and lowly, I pray for you with all my soul and heart. Amin. Hero Deacon P., now you have taken a great load, my child. Be very careful and pray, and God will protect you. First, have obedience to your Reverend Yeronda. This is what God wants. You have comforted your elder, you have comforted God. Obedience to your elder is God's commandment. Obedience, life, disobedience, death. Obedience, humility, disobedience, pride. You have saddened your elder, you have saddened God. Adam fell from paradise through one disobedience. As much as you can, attempt to have tears, and God will protect you, and your piety will not be erased. Your angel will always guide you. Do you listen, my child, what our Christ says? You want to find me? Search the scriptures, and I am inside. The prophet Isaiah says, We have conceived because of thy fear. Isaiah twenty-six seventeen to 18 That is, we have been given the all-holy spirit. And again our Christ says, Through the prophet Isaiah, To whom will I give my good things? To the humble and meek, and the man that trembles at my words. When our Lord preached after the sermon, he left for the mountains or to another place and prayed. What do you say, my child? Did Christ have need for prayer? No. He did not have a need for prayer. It was an example for us, and we should imitate to pray always, to have prayer as a companion, as St. Paul says, to pray without ceasing. Our Christ says, Always have me in your minds, and in the time of temptation, I will also remember you. Amen. And give my greetings to Magdalene. May God and our mother shield her from every temptation, and I pray for her always. I also greet your brother. May God grant you your health, soul, and body. Amen. Signed, the least monk, Arsenios. And I humbly pray for all of you, whoever inquires about me. Amen. About love. Do you see, my beloved, the ranks and steps which the disciple and apostle of love architected? Step A, he put to love others. Step B, that love is from God. Step C, that he who loves is born from God. Step D, that he who loves knows God. Step E, and last step, and higher than all, he put, God is love. Amen. To the one who hungers for Christ, it becomes food, and for the one who thirsts, sweet drink. For he who is cold, clothing, and for the tired, rest. He who prays is answered, and the mourner comforted. Amen. The end of all suffering is joy, and of all weariness is rest, and to every dishonor the glory. Seed on the rock, the prayer of the spiteful. Amen. A good conscience is found through prayer and pure prayer through conscience. 
We are enlightened according to how much we are careful of our mind, and if we are not careful, then we are darkened. The forgiveness of sins is freedom from passions. Amin. Faith and love are inseparable between them, and one relates to the other, and confirms one another and defines each other. And wherever one is absent, the other is also absent from there. And wherever one is found, the other is found there too. Amin. This is why St. Ephraim, when asked which sin is greater, apart from heresy, replied that it is hatred. For thus, he says, I bring as a testimony also the words of John. As the greatest virtue of all is love, so the greatest sin of all is to hate your brother. He who hates his brother is a murderer, as the apostle said. He who hates his brother hates God. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going. Look at how many evils are caused by hatred. Amin. I also got your blessing. Thank you. May God and our mother protect you from every evil. The least monk Arsenios, and I humbly pray for you and embrace you in the name of Christ. Letter is finished by a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, through the prayers of our Theotokos and the holy righteous forerunner, and of Saint Great Arsenios, and of Saint Alexios, the man of God, and of the holy betrothed Joseph, and of all your saints, grant your all-holy spirit in the heart of, yes, Lord, may grace be upon us and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies, and God of all supplications. Yes, Lord, grant your all-Holy Spirit in the soul of. And may you also have my blessing, and may God protect you from every temptation. Amin. Signed, Monk Arsenios. Amin. End. Letter E. Christos Anesti, 1961, Christ is Risen, my most loved and much desired child, monk P, hero deacon, Christ is Risen, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and us. I heard about your sorrow, but do not be greatly distressed, because if God is for us, who is against us? The good things happen with effort. It is not possible without temptation, only this, that we have patience. Without patience, nothing happens. May God grant you patience, and may our mother strengthen you. And I always pray for you that the will of God happens. It may not be God's will. Time will show, because God knows better than us. God always wants what is good for us. And again, the good things have temptations. Without temptations, it is not called virtue. And again, Magdalene rightly says to you, while sitting in your cell, no one will come to drop down money from the chimney. And if that happened, it will cause you pride. In the skeet at Palestine, the fathers left when the Arabs came to steal. St. Arsenios also left. The saint wasn't scared, but he left out of humility. You should do the same as Magdalene tells you. Perhaps God enlightened her. Give my blessing to Magdalene. Thank you for her blessing. May God give his reward to her, and may our mother strengthen her soul and body, and may Magdalene also have my blessing. Greet the reverend bishop, your elder, Athenagora, and make one prostration for me. 
I always have him in my prayer. May God give his reward for the blessing he sent at Christmas, and may he have our mother's blessing. And again, I tell you, don't worry at all. It may not be God's will. And again, whatever time you want to come, your sibling will have open arms. That is why I made you a monk, so that whenever you want, you can come and lodge here. Amen. Father Harlambos greets you. Father Ephraim and his brotherhood greet you. Father Yosef and Athanasios and Theophylactos greet you. I greet you with all our brotherhood. Amen. Letter F. My dear child, hear a deacon P. Rejoice. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit and ours. Amen. And again, I hope you are well. May you have the blessing of our Panagia and then mine. Why, my child, were you late to write to us? Don't you know, love leaves when you are late to write. When you write and we get your letter and we read it, then it's like we somehow saw you and we spoke and we are comforted and then we know that you are alive. Perhaps you have forgotten your Yeronda. Alas, if you have forgotten, I will never forget. The proverb is true. The father granted to his child one field, and the child never gave him one apple. And don't worry about what I told you. I told you so that I wake you. I know, my child, your heart. And again, I pray for you. You are always in my heart. As hard as you can, don't forget the prayer. Because Scripture says, Spiritual violence, violence, the violent have taken the kingdom of heaven. Don't leave the reading every day, at least one hour a day, and prayer. Wherever you are, close yourself in a room under the pretext that you are supposedly going to rest. Let's take our sweetest Jesus as an example. He preached with his disciples, the people. Then he left secretly from his disciples to the mountain of olives and prayed. Christ prayed. Alas, alas, did Christ have need of prayer? He himself is all prayer. But why did he do it? He did it to give us an example for us to do the same. Also, so as to show us his human nature. Amin. And when you write to my children, put inside two words, our sweet Christ, be with you and enlighten you and sanctify you. And may you have the blessing of our Panagia. And secondly, may you have my blessing also, your elder, the least and lowly monk Arsenios of Yosefs. Amin. Epilogue Ending this present biography of the ever-memorable elder Arsenios, I feel that I have paid off a very big debt according to the best of my ability, a debt of gratitude to a spiritual father and benefactor and teacher for all of us, his spiritual descendants. He strengthened us, firstly with his virtuous life and then with his simple and graceful words. These were a reflection of his many years of experience as a struggler under the spiritual guidance of the great contemporary teacher of the desert, St. Joseph the Hezekist. They both fought against the powers and rulers of darkness and emerged as victors, gaining the reward of their higher calling. For the accidental omissions and my imperfections, I implore for leniency, firstly from the elder and then from all his spiritual descendants. I pray this present work becomes a starting point for other better publications. 
As for the conferring of the title of the book, I think the title Cave Dweller is now commonly accepted. This is because for the majority of his life, the ever-memorable elder Arsenios lived with his holy co-struggler in mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 38. Of course, the title could have also been Arsenios the Hesychist. The elder could even easily be named Initiate, initiate and genuine child of the Theotokos. Our Lady Theotokos, who initially lived in the Holy of Holies, but also during all her earthly life, is the prototype of a hesychist. As is known, she scandalously favors the monastic order, preeminently as the protector, nurturer, and guide. And she is also a source of grace and comfort to all who deny the world and its vain pleasures and deny even their very selves in accordance with the, the Lord's words. Elder Arsenios, with his self-denial and struggles, which surpassed the laws of nature, has become an initiate and genuine child of the Theotokos, praying to her always with boldness for all of us. That is why, in finishing, we seek his holy prayers to Our Lady Theotokos and to the one who was born of her. Amin. May his memory be eternal. A small supplement. Here are Monk Harlambos, the Hezekist and Abbot, who lived from the years 1910 to 2001. As this book was about to be printed, footnote, when the first edition of this book, Elder Arsenios, the Cave Dweller in Greek, was about to be printed, Elder Harlambos reposed, and so the author wrote this supplement as a dedication to him. His life story and teachings can now be read in the book, Abbot Harlambos Dionysiates, the Teacher of Noetic Prayer, which has recently circulated in English. To continue. As this book was about to be printed, another great figure of the Brotherhood, the ever-memorable and holy elder Yosef the Cave-Dweller, my late Yeronda Father Harlambos, was added to the Holy Fathers who departed to heaven. What follows is a brief commemorative sketch born out of my infinite debt, respect and gratitude, as well as my personal appreciation to my elder. As for his wider life, I am hopeful that shortly much will be written by our monastery, which he shepherded for 18 years, and from others who met him and indeed were benefited by this ever-memorable elder in a variety of ways. I am quiet about the first part of his life, weaved with great ascetic struggles and amazing events, especially about him falling into the hands of Bulgarian rebels and being saved from certain death as a result of the amazing intervention of the great martyr George. For now, I only have a little to dedicate as a memorial to him. This is from what I saw, heard, and lived as a disciple of his for 35 years, from 1965 to 2000. When I was in Athens, with an enthusiasm that discerns the young 18- to 22-year-olds, I met nearly all the leading spiritual fathers. Among them were the ever-memorable Father Epiphanios Theodorapoulos, Father Porphyrios, Father Hieronymus of Egina, the holy and spiritually gifted preacher Demetrius Panagolopoulos, the man of God, and many others to whom I obviously owe a great deal of gratitude. However, according to divine economy, the one who touched my heart most intensely was my ever-memorable elder, Father Harlambos. When I first met him, without it seeming like a figure of speech, 
I call to a close friend as another Philip. We have found the Messiah, that is, the teacher. From then on, I could not be separated from him. I felt something through this simple hero monk, not because I was worthy, but I could say through his prayers. Like another Motovilov, the spiritual child of St. Seraphim of Sarovsky, I experienced some crumbs of his spiritual wealth. I am certain that this confession will be confirmed by a multitude of his spiritual children, both within and outside the holy mountain. It is no exaggeration if I were to give him the title teacher of noetic prayer. Of course, today, as in the olden days, there are teachers, but also ample books about noetic prayer. However, what distinguishes a true teacher, like that of my elder, is that along with teaching about noetic prayer, they impart the gift to those who listen with faith and who have the corresponding receptivity. I know individuals who, out of ignorance, were unruly, and yet, after their first encounter, confession, and relevant guidance, they adjusted to a night vigil of eight hours from the first evening. The result was that they changed their conduct and became model citizens and spiritual people. Some also become, became monks. The elder of blessed memory had a wealth of many wide-ranging virtues, love, compassion, forbearance, humility, and straightforwardness. His most eminent virtues were his blessed simplicity and charity. From the first day of his renunciation, he permanently kept vigil. This was weaved with a multitude of prostrations, but also with tears of love for God and for the whole world. His vigil all through the night was sealed with the daily divine liturgy at midnight, where he commemorated thousands of names, both of the living and the departed. His discerning holy elder elevated Elder Harlambos to the rank of priesthood from the second year of Elder Harlambos's renunciation. From then on, he performed the Divine Liturgy daily until his old age when he had an acute heart attack. His liturgies always transmitted a wealth of grace to all who were present. Of course, we do not question the worthiness of any celebrant. However, a celebrant endowed with a wealth of grace palpably transmits this to his fellow diners. His Divine Liturgies in the ascetic huts of Little St. Anne and Nuski remain unfading memories. Many times, unable to control the multitude of tears, he greatly extended the service, as he had to interrupt the petitions. But most indelible were the liturgies of the resurrection. Elder Joseph sent all his disciples to the Skeets Church. Father Harlambos remained behind as the celebrant at Little St. Anne, with elders Yosef and Arsenios as the chanters. From the beginning of the liturgy, with the words, Blessed is the kingdom, until the dismissal, the three participated in the service with constant tears, sobs of love, praise, and with many interruptions. There, my child, we didn't celebrate the resurrection, we lived it. Do you know what it's like for Christ to show you a little of the joy that our Panagia felt at that moment? Miracles from the Prayers of the Elder We saw, heard, and lived many miracles throughout the fervent prayer of our ever-memorable Elder. He healed many sick people, helped many with serious problems, expelled demons, and so on. When he was asked to pray, his prayers were not always heard. However, the amazing thing 
was that he always received the appropriate message. That is why he sometimes assured the interested party the Lord would help. Other times he said, God wants to help, but he is first asking something of you. Indeed, many who had unconfessed sins, disagreements, were unjust, jealous, and the like, had to make amends before the request was heard. Other times he said clearly and directly, what you seek is not God's will. But the great miracle was he was a source of grace, which was transmitted in such a way that when someone felt a bit flat, they ran to Father Harlambos for recharging. As for spiritual gifts, he was principally straightforward, simple, and merciful. He considered others to be the same. That is why sometimes there were instances of abuse by opportunists. As for charity, I dare to say he was not restrained. He was indiscriminately good. Indeed, many people who were poor, wandering about with the unknown Apathnathusa, the document recommended letter that holds executive authority on Manathos. Those people who wandered around first visited Burazeri before going to the holy monasteries. The reason was obvious. Through their pleas, the elder, elders' generous offerings, which was written on the letter, predisposed to the holy monasteries and inspired them to offer more generously. As a beginner, I dared to ask once, but elder, where do you find so much money? The simple but wise elder said, Sit, my child, and you will see for yourself the blessing of our Panagia. I saw, and I was truly amazed. Our ever-memorable elder left us a model of humility. After the first attack on his health, he voluntarily gave up the rank of abbot and handed over the shepherd's staff, along with fifty brothers, to the sturdy hands of one of his chosen children. He withdrew to his cell, preferring the hesychistic and undistracted life. The great struggles of the first years were necessarily confined within normal limits when his heart was affected. That organ, which nurtures with its palpitations all of one's spiritual and physical abilities. However, the fruits of the Holy Spirit remained indelible. The Holy Fathers say, struggle in the time of your youth so that you acquire fruits of dispassion in your old age. The Lord also says, Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The elder of blessed memory became like a child when it came to goodness and guilelessness. The elder as a spiritual father. The ever-memorable elder succeeded as a disciple, as a hesychist, as a celebrant, as an abbot, but also as a spiritual father. He was not simply a spiritual father who had authority to bind and loose. He was principally distinguished for being a genuine father. He took upon himself the problem of the person confessing. He suffered and toiled with the one who was suffering. As an example, I refer to two instances. Once, a certain brother who suffered from the evil spirit ran for help to Elder Halambos. The ever-memorable elder had in mind that this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So, to also encourage the one who was suffering, the elder fasted from oil together with the brother for 40 days at a period when it was not a fast. The elder also dedicated 40 divine liturgies and beyond the eight-hour vigil prayed extensively until the brother was healed. Another time, a monk was unable to com complete his personal prayer rule, 150 prostrations, 
As the elder was unyielding with himself, he did not do away with the requirement, but personally took on the load of that brother, saying, Have courage, my child. I will do your prayer rule until you are strengthened. Within a few days, the brother, moved by Philotimo, assured the elder he was carrying out his spiritual duties on his own. During the twelve years that our small brotherhood lived in the large Helandari cell of Buerzeri from 1967 to 79, Elder Harlambos's beneficial assistance to the Athenite Ecclesiastical Academy was well known. So was the brilliant leadership of the academy by the Bishop of Rhodogestolos, who was then dean. Almost all the students and many of the teachers would come for confession and spiritual guidance. From this group of students and teachers, our church is today filled with integral members, bishops, many hieromonks, and monks, both within and outside the holy mountain, competent and pious married clergy, eminent workers of the gospel, and good family men. Having learned at the feet of a teacher of noetic prayer, they still draw strength and enlightenment from unceasing prayer to succeed in their work and to be protected from the many traps of the evil one. In turn, they have become small teachers of the holy and blessed work of noetic prayer, following the teaching of their teacher. Manifestly, although our elder has passed away, his work remains and continues. May his memory be eternal. Signed, Monk Yosif Dionysiatis of Father Harlambos.